Welcome, everybody. It's good to see you, and uh, welcome to Grace this new year. We're going to start a new series called Creatures of Habit, and uh, we want to capture kind of that inertia to start new things in the new year. I'm doing it, too. Yesterday, I ate leafy green vegetables for the first time in quite a while. My body went into shock. My tummy was like, where are the carbs and the sugar? I was like, easy tummy. We're a team. Have I ever let you down? So we kind of talked that through. But a lot of us want to uh, kind of do that. It's a fun time. It's a good thing, actually. You kind of turn over a new leaf and start a new thing. And that's all good. Some of you probably want to lose weight. Uh, You want to invest some money. You want to get your schedule. want to get back to church. All those kind of things. It's fine. Um, And I hope that you do that stuff. But we want to take that and kind of turn it into a spiritual focus. How do we uh, kind of place that kind of energy and that kind of passion into our relationship with God, into uh, becoming who he's called us to be, into knowing his word, and uh, being the people that he wants to mold us into. So that's what we're going to talk about here for the next few weeks. And we're going to talk about some key spiritual habits that we can lock into our lives and that we can develop that will help us to do all of those things. So we're going to approach this a little bit differently. Instead of taking a, um, a verse or a passage of Scripture and kind of really diving deep into it like we normally would, what we're going to do is we're going to take a biblical concept and dive deeply into it. And we're going to kind of move around the Bible a little bit and paint these things out and show you some of the things that Jesus teaches, some of the things that have been uh, kind of uh, pillars of the church over the years, and show you what those are, show you how to lock into them, and then uh, show you how to pull those through your life until they become habits that kind of feed us and guide us, okay? So let me, uh, let me start this way. Grab your Bibles, go to the book of Galatians, chapter 6. Grab your Bibles if you have them. If you don't have them, there's some there under the chairs. It's page 813 in those Bibles under the chairs, or if you want to use the app, you can open that up, and uh, the verses and the notes and everything you need will be right there. And let's talk about this, this idea of habit a little bit and how we can grab that idea and redeem it and use it to grow spiritually. Galatians chapter 6, this is what God says in verse 7, do not be deceived, God cannot be mocked. A man reaps what he sows. Whoever sows to please the flesh from the flesh will reap destruction. Whoever sows to please the spirit From the Spirit will reap eternal life. Let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all people, especially to those who belong to the family of believers. And there's a whole bunch of truth and amazing stuff in that passage. Here's the nugget I want to pull out of it. It's kind of the stuff on top. It's you reap what you sow, right? That's the idea. And so... The Bible says that if you reap in the flesh, you're going to reap, you're going to, if you sow in the flesh, you're going to reap destruction. So we can give our lives to earthly things is the way that we might say it today. So if you want to make a New Year's resolution and you want to say, I, I want to lose 10 pounds, or I want to increase my IRA, or I want to you know, start exercising, whatever, that's all fine. It's good. But you're going to sow earthly things. And you're going to reap destruction. None of that stuff is going to get you to heaven if you give yourself fully to it. That's what the scripture's saying. Now, Paul goes on and he kind of doubles down on it. He says, now, if you, if you sow spiritual things, you will reap a spiritual harvest. If you sow in the spirit, you're going to reap in the spirit. So if you take that same tendency 
to make something a habit or to take something and start it new or to focus on something, all the New Year's resolution kind of ideas, and you double down on them spiritually, there's a spiritual harvest that will come out of that. You can, you can kind of amp up your spiritual life if you want to. Uh, you can focus on certain habits or certain disciplines, sometimes we call them spiritually, and you will get a spiritual return out of that. And that's what we want to do with this. We want to take this new year and kind of this new inertia and we want to say, well, let's, let's create habits. We are creatures of habit. There's one study I looked at that they estimate that 40% of what we do, we do habitually. And I thought that was kind of high until I started thinking about it. You know, I have lots and lots of habits in my life and you do too, right? And some of them I've created and some of them are just, the, just things that have kind of evolved in my life. So I have a good habit, for instance. Uh, I have a habit of every time before I leave the presence of my family, my, my wife Heidi or our children, um, I will always say I love you to them every single time. Uh, because if something happens, I want to make sure that those would be the last words that ever came out of my mouth to them. So that's a good habit, right? And sometimes I like that. Sometimes it drives them nuts because I run down the driveway. I'm like, I love you. You know, that kind of stuff. And the most fun to do is when you drop your teenagers off at high school to yell it out the window and call them their kitty name. I love you, Ikey baby. Right? That, they love that. They think it's phenomenal. Right? So that's a, but that's a good habit. Now, I have bad habits too. Right? I bite my fingernails. I crack my knuckles, all that kind of stuff. Right? It's bad habits. And it's just stuff that develops. And when you look and say, well, if I really look through my life and think of the things that I do without thinking about it, maybe a lot of my life is governed by habit. I would look at you and say, that's actually fine. In fact, I'll go so far as to say, I actually think God created us that way. He, he wired us in such a way that when we focus on something, when we dive into something, it can become instinct for us. And if we redeem it and bring it under God's definition and direction, it can be something that really propels us spiritually. As somebody said this, it's a great quote. They said, habits make terrific friends and terrible enemies. Habits make terrific friends and terrible enemies. And can we make our spiritual habits our friends? Now, when you look at the Bible, the Bible kind of breaks habits out into, I just put them down into three categories, okay? So you kind of look broadly over the Bible and you can find these things. And the Bible would look at certain behaviors or habits and tell us, hey, you need to break that habit. So for instance, the Bible illustrates bad habits. Philippians chapter 2 uh, Paul says, do all things without grumbling or complaining. So grumbling, complaining, being negative, being pessimistic, those all become habits for us, right? And so the Bible say, would say, in essence, break that habit. It's no good. It doesn't please God. It doesn't help anyone break it. So the Bible would lay that out. The Bible would also illustrate what I call helpful or benign habits. So uh, 1 Timothy chapter 4, uh, Paul talks about exercise. And he says bodily discipline is of some benefit. So that's a helpful or a benign habit. Is it, is it good to exercise, for instance? Yeah, yeah, you should, really. It's really healthy for you. Does it get you to heaven? No. Does it change someone's life? Probably not. Is it the main thing God wants you to do? No. But is it good? Yeah. Can it be an obsession? Yeah. It kind of is a benign habit. There's some benefit to it, but don't build your life around it. So there's negative habits in the Bible. There's benign or helpful habits in the Bible. 
And then there are also spiritual habits in the Bible. So, for instance, Jesus illustrates one in Luke 22. The Bible says Jesus went out as usual. Other translation says as was his custom to the Mount of Olives. And he went there to pray. So Jesus regularly would pull away from kind of the hustle bustle of life. And he would go and he'd hang out with his father. And he would pray. And you can see that habit in other places. Daniel did that. Other people did that all through the scripture. And you would see a spiritual habit formed that is sowing something spiritual. You're going to reap something spiritual. And all of that is our humanity. It's how God wired us. He wired us to function that way. So we have to break bad habits, right? We have to be aware of benign habits. Just don't let them govern our lives. And then we have to double down on spiritual habits because they will actually take us somewhere spiritually. Now, this is where we run into problems usually in our culture, especially for those of us who would, who would uh, make it a priority to get to church and, and hear a teaching from the Scripture. Usually what gets us in our culture actually is not our bad habits, So all of us have bad habits, all of us have sinful habits, those need to be addressed in our lives, and they need to be broken and brought under God's definition and direction, okay? But that's usually not what dominates us in a North American culture. Usually what dominates us in a North American culture are the benign habits, the things that we do that aren't necessarily sinful, but they consume tons and tons and tons of our lives. So I did a little research. The research says this. The average North American watches five hours of Netflix a week. Uh, The average North American spends 3.8 hours a day on social media. The average North American uh, watches five hours of television a day in North America. See, these are, is it a sin to be on social media? No. Is it a sin to watch Netflix? No. Is is it a sin to watch television? I guess it depends on what you're watching, because the Steelers are on this afternoon, so maybe, right? But it's a, is it a sin? No, of course it's not a sin. Is it going to take you somewhere in life? No. Now, you take those hours, and then you compare them to the spiritual habits of the average North American. Now, listen to this. Of the people surveyed that actually pray, that would say, yeah, I pray, the average North American who prays, prays on average one minute a day. Uh, Of the people in North America who say, I read my Bible. Do you have a Bible? Yeah, do you read it? Yeah. Of the people in North America who read their Bible, say this. Uh, Of the people who said they read it, 74% of the people who said that they read their Bible said that they read it four to five times a year outside of church. See, that's where we get into trouble with it. So the bad habits, the scripture usually will address, usually sinful behavior, and the scripture has a very, very clear answer on it and needs to be addressed and corrected and brought under obedience to God. It's the benign ones that get us. It's not really a sin. There's really not a problem. The scripture doesn't forbid it, right? It's all about how you use it and interact with it. But when you take those benign things and you weigh them against our spiritual habits, suddenly you can start to see, oh, no no wonder I'm not going anywhere spiritually. No wonder our family isn't thriving spiritually. No wonder my, my relationships aren't growing spiritually. I don't spend any time on it. It has not become a habit. It's not an instinct or a reflex in my life. 
because we're creatures of habit. So we do what we're used to doing, and when we need to change that habit or redeem those habits, we have to redeem them before the Lord. Now, that's kind of the stark news. Here's the good news. Flip back to the Bible a little bit to 1 Corinthians chapter 9. Go to the left a few pages. 1 Corinthians chapter 9, page 798. Look at verse 24. That's what the Apostle Paul says. He says this, Do you not know that in a race all the runners run, but only one gets the prize? Run in such a way as to get the prize. Everyone who competes in the games goes into strict training. They do it to get a crown that will not last, but we do it to get a crown that will last forever. Therefore, I do not run like uh, someone running aimlessly. I do not fight like a boxer beating the air. No, I strike a blow to my body. I make it my slave so that after I preach to others, I will not be disqualified from the prize. Another place in the New Testament, the Apostle Paul says that we're to train ourselves in righteousness or train ourselves in godliness. Here's the good news. Even though I fill my life up with these empty things, I can train myself to be godly. This is the idea that I, I open up my life and I say, God, I'm inviting you in to my habits. I'm inviting you into my schedule. I'm inviting you into what I do. And I want to break these bad habits because they're sinful. That's not an option. But I want to manage and down, download kind of these benign habits. And I want to increase my spiritual habits. I want to be more godly. I don't want to box the air. I don't want to run aimlessly. I want to train myself in godliness so that I can have a different outcome in my life than what I have right now. Another great quote, someone said, spiritual transformation is not about trying harder, it's about training wisely. If I start doing the right things, what I'm doing, it's not me taking control over my spiritual growth, that's not the idea. But when I do the right things, what I do is I put myself in a position where I'm inviting God in intentionally into my life. And I can do that habitually. And as I do that habitually, God will enter in. He loves the invitation, and I will start to see the life change that I want and that I need so much in my life, okay? So we're going to be talking about this for the next few weeks. We're going to be talking about being creatures of habit. What are the key habits that we can lock into spiritually? How do we invite God into that process? And then what could he do if he, uh, if he accepts, so to say, that invitation and we allow him to start bringing change into our life. And what I want to do this weekend is I want to give you a, a first habit. And I want to give you a habit that I believe is a, is a strong habit. It's one that most of us don't exercise that much. But it's a very strong spiritual habit. And I wanted to give you this one first because I believe it's a spiritual habit that actually jump starts a lot of our other habits. So if you're looking and saying, I'm going to dive in, you know, both feet. I signed up for the gym. I bought my CrossFit membership. I threw away all my cookies, right? This is the way to dive in spiritually. And I'm going to dive in and I'm going to really start this process of intentionally training to ask God, to invite God into the process of helping me become a new person. So here's the first habit we're going to lay out. Ready? I want to talk to you this weekend about the habit of fasting, the habit of fasting. And what does it mean to fast in the scriptures? 
And how can God use that in my life and how would I approach it, okay? Now, before we get into this deeply, I want to I define a couple terms for you. So whenever you read about fasting in the Bible, you're usually going to have fasting connected to prayer, right? So I want to define what prayer is. We're not going to get into a big, deep conversation about prayer this weekend. We're going to do that in a, in a couple weeks, okay? So it's like stay tuned and keep coming. But the but I want to just define it a little bit so that we have an idea of what we're talking about as we move through the idea of fasting, okay? So let's start with defining prayer. Here's prayer. Prayer is this. Prayer is our interactive conversation with God. Prayer is our interactive conversation with God, okay? So when you pray, what you're doing is you're conversing and talking with God, A prayer is not a memorized good luck charm poem. A prayer is a personal interaction with God, okay? So I was taught a little prayer when I was growing up as a kid. I would say it every night. I would say, now I lay me down to sleep. I pray the Lord my soul to keep. If I die before I wake, I pray the Lord my soul to take, which is kind of a morbid prayer for like a four-year-old, but anyways, right? And so I said that my whole life. Now, here's the thing. Probably when I was first taught that prayer, I meant it. Now I can say that and I don't mean it at all. Those are a series of sounds that run through my brain. They're just a memorized, rote thing. That is not a prayer anymore to me. It's a poem that I remember as I was a kid, right? I know another poem. I eat peas with honey. I've done this all my life. They do taste kind of funny, but it keeps them on my knife, right? I learned that also in the first grade. It's it's the same set of noises. Prayer is our interactive conversation with God. So prayer is not something I just spit out. Now, if, it's, if you read a written prayer and you mean it, it's a prayer, okay? But it's not just something I spit out like a good luck charm, and it's not something that I just say at church. It's not two minutes that I, I pray before I go to work in the morning, whatever. It's me interacting with God. And this is where the scripture says I'm to pray without ceasing, So as I pray, it's me conversing with God all day long. So I'm going to praise God for who he is. I'm going to tell God that I'm grateful for the things that he does in my life, right? I'm going to interact with him. I'm I'm going to confess my sin to God. God, man, I blew it. I'm struggling. Oh, this temptation. You know, I'm going to talk to God about that. I'm going to ask God for things. God, this is on my heart. This is on my heart. My friend doesn't know you. I, I pray that you interact with us. I'm going to ask for me and for other people. And another big thing I'm going to do, ready? This is a weird one. I'm going to listen to God. I'm going to listen to God and see what God says back to me. Now, let me just touch on this for a second. 99% of the time when God talks to you, he sounds like the Bible. Catch that? of the time when God talks to you, he sounds like the Bible. So when you're praying and you're saying, God, I need an answer. God, I need, will you help me? Don't be surprised when a passage of scripture comes to your mind because the Bible's alive and active and the Holy Spirit uses that to to lead us, to show us where to go. So most of the time when God talks to you, he sounds like the Bible. And throughout the day, as you're talking to God, just talk with him like you would a friend, right? Talk with God, interact with God, listen to God, right? And and pray to him. That's what prayer is. I don't get up every day and say the exact same thing to Heidi, right? She would not like that. Hey, you look good. Hope you slept well. Have a great day. Bye. Hey, you look good. Hope you slept well. Have a great day. Bye. Hey, look good, right? I would wind up probably with like a broken sternum. 
if that happened, right? Nor do I only talk to her at a certain time of day. 7.05, let's have our five-minute conversation, right? Why? Because I love her. So we have an interactive conversation back and forth all day. And that's what you want your prayer life. It, it looks like your best friend. It looks like your spouse. It looks like your roommate. Okay? And I'm talking back and forth to God. Okay? So prayer. That's all I'm going to say about that. We're going to dig into it later in a couple weeks. Okay? So that's prayer. Now, prayer and fasting are always connected in the Scripture. And I want to talk mostly about fasting this weekend. So let's define fasting. Here's what fasting is. Fasting is when I deprive myself of something I habitually want or need for the purpose of growing spiritually. So fasting, if you've never heard that word before, this is what it is. It's when I, when I deprive myself of something I habitually want or need for the purpose of growing spiritually. Fasting is not me adding something to my life, it's me subtracting something to my, from my life. Okay? So fasting is not a New Year's resolution. It's not I'm going to start going to the gym. Fasting is a subtraction. I deprive myself of something I habitually want or need for the purpose of growing spiritually. I'm going to take something out of my life that I reach for as a reflex so that when I reach for it and it's not there, it reminds me to turn to God. And I'm usually going to turn to God through prayer or time in His Word. That's why prayer and fasting are always connected right? So I'm going to deprive myself of something I habitually want or need. So when I miss it, it reminds me to turn to God. So most of the time when the Bible talks about fasting, it talks about it in terms of fasting from food or from sex, okay? So food, something I want or need, and it's not there. I notice that I'm hungry yeah, I'm going, oh, that's right, I'm going to skip lunch today because I'm fasting, right? So food, and then sex, something I want and need, and it's not there. I always notice that that's not there, right? So food or sex, and the Bible would say, I cut food out of my life. If you're married, if you're not married, sex should not be an issue for you anyways. But if you're married, it's the couple agreeing that we're going to refrain from sex so that we spend time in prayer. And as Scripture warns, don't do that for too long. Right? Come back together so you don't fall under temptation. So think of things I want or I need that I intentionally deprive myself out uh, from. So when I notice that they're missing, it causes me or it reminds me to turn to God. Now, those are things the Bible illustrates with the principle of fasting is bigger than food or sex. So it's the habit of things. So some of you, it, it wouldn't be food or sex that would be driving you. It would be like coffee or social media, right? Coffee or Facebook. I know some of you are like, I'll take sex. I didn't, you know, let me keep my coffee, right? It, it's, it's something that you want or need habitually, okay? So I'm going to take something out of my life that I'm going to reach for, right? When, when I go to grab my phone and I'm fasting from social media, I'm going to notice it's not there because we do it habitually. I do it too, right? Every time I'm in line, I grab my phone. In fact, the the screen on my phone cracked the other day. I had to hand it in to be repaired. And I had like 45 minutes. I didn't know what to do. I didn't know. I just kind of sat in the corner and sucked my thumb, right? Because <laughs> I, I would notice that. I would notice that that was missing. I might pull that out of my life so that when it's gone, I rem I'm reminded to turn to the Lord. Now, why do we fast? The Bible gives us several illustrations or several uh, uh, 
reasons why we would fast and what we're to do with it. And let me show you these real quick. So in the scriptures, someone would fast for a bunch of reasons. Here's one. Someone would fast when they were looking for direction from God on a big decision. So God would call for a fast, or the leaders of the church would call for a fast, and they would say, we're looking for direction from God on a big decision. Let's fast and pray and ask God to tune in to us in a certain way to help us know what we should do in this situation. Acts 14 is an example of fasting. When they were appointing elders and appointing apostles and missionaries to go out, the elders of the church called for a fast, a very big decision that they wanted God to be in the middle of. And so the elders said, let's fast and pray and ask for God's leadership in this big decision that we have to make. Okay, ready? Here we go. Anybody got a big decision to make this year? Anybody trying to decide what you're going to do after you graduate from high school? Anybody trying to decide whether you're going to change your major in college? Anybody trying to decide, do I leave this stable job to go to this other job because of the opportunity? Anybody trying to, going to get married? Anybody got a big decision to make? It would be very appropriate spiritually to fast to take something out of your life that you, you habitually want or need for a period of time. It's not forever, but it would be very appropriate to fast and say, God, every time I go to reach for this and then I'm reminded, oh, that's right, I'm fasting. I'm going to pray. I'm going to go to your word. Maybe for some of you, you're going to seek counsel from a spiritual leader, but I'm going to double down. I'm going to fast so that I can make sure that you are invited into this decision-making process because I want to honor and please you through it. See how that works? That's one reason why people fast. Here's another one. Another reason why people would fast is they would fast to bolster themselves in, in the midst of temptation, right? So Jesus did this in Matthew chapter 3 and 4. You can read it. Jesus is being tempted by the devil in the wilderness, and he fasted for 40 days and 40 days nights, right? So he fasted because it strengthened him spiritually as he was being uh, tempted by the devil. Now, here we go. Ready? Anybody fighting a big temptation? Anybody come into this new year and say, you know what? This is the year I've got to break this addiction. I've got to, I, I promised my wife that we would never go down this path again. I've got this pornography is driving my life. I have to have victory over it. God, you must help me. See? Anybody know you're headed into temptation? They, I, told, I asked them not to, but they scheduled the whole conference that I'm mandated to go to in Vegas. I know I'm going to go into... See? It would be a very appropriate spiritual exercise to fast, right? While I'm at that, I'm out there, I'm stuck there for a week, I'm going to skip lunch every day and spend time in prayer because uh, this is overwhelming to me. I'm going to pull this out of my life or pull that out of my life so that I am consistently praying. I'm going to invite God into this area of my life because I need to resist the temptation that I know that I'm going to be facing. See how that works? It's a habit. It's a spiritual discipline. It's an invitation from God. And it, it was played out that way in the Scripture. Another reason why people would fast in the Scripture is they were 
is people would fast when a person or a group of people were repenting of sin. When they were repenting of sin. And the book of Joel, the, 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 the priest called, or God said, consecrate a fast, call a solemn assembly, gather the elders and the inhabitants of the land to the house of the Lord and cry out to the Lord. There was a, the Israel had sinned and there was a fast that was called as an as a act of attrition, as an act of repentance for sin. Now, why would you do that? Okay, let me, let me explain this to you. Do you know why most relationships don't heal? Do you know why most relationships don't heal? The reason why most relationships don't heal is because when they are broken, repentance never happens. Did you catch that? Most relationships don't heal because when relationships are broken, true repentance never happens. Uh, someone once said, it's a great quote, they said, those who fail to repent are destined to repeat. Those who fail to repent are destined to repeat. This is what happens. You hurt this, you hurt this person or this person hurts you, and you come together, and it's like a couple of seven-year-olds. You go, tell, you go tell your brother you're sorry. Sorry. It's not an apology. Nobody meant that. Right? It's not an apology. So true repentance never happens, and this is what a fast does. When I fast as a part of repentance, what I'm doing is I'm pulling back and depriving myself of something I habitually want or I need, and I'm saying to God, God, show me the depth of my sin. Show me the depth of my sin. I want to truly repent. I want you to show me every nuance of my sin. I want you to show me all the places that the shrapnel of my sin has hurt the people around me and the depth of which I've sinned against you. That's how repentance actually happens, and that will actually bring healing to relationships, okay? If you've been in a conflict in your marriage and you said you're sorry, but you still blame your wife, you're not sorry. You're just trying to make her happy, okay? Repentance is a very different act. And so God would call that. He'd say, you go fast. Well, why, why do I fast? Because when I reach for that thing habitually, it reminds me to go back and be dependent on God. It's not an act of punishment. It's an act of focus. And God, I want you to show me the depths of it, okay? Another reason why people would fast in the scripture is because they were asking God for something special. There's an example of a lady in Luke chapter two. You can read it. It's part of the Christmas story. And she, she would fast and pray at the temple every day. And what she was asking God for, she said, God, please don't let me die until I meet the Messiah. I want to meet Jesus. I want to meet the promised one. And God honored that prayer for her. So it's a very appropriate thing when you're asking for God to do something special in your life to fast. Now, let me ask you this question. Anybody asking God to do something special in their life? Anybody praying, God, God, I would love to meet someone. I, I don't, I, I don't want to be single anymore. Would you give me a godly man, a godly woman? God, I, I, want, I want to be used by you. Would you show me how, who I can invest my life in? God, I, we're, we're asking that you restore our relationship with our kids. It's been broken. God, would you work in this very, and it's not, it's not prayers of, God, would you give me a new boat? That's not going to happen. But it's, God, would, would you line my heart up with yours, and would you do something supernatural for someone? See, that's how that works. So it's a very appropriate thing to, to fast 
in those circumstances. God, I want to please you, or I want this God-honoring thing to happen in my life, or this is the desire of my heart, and it lines up with Scripture, and I'm asking you to either do that or change, satisfy my heart in such a way that I don't long for it anymore, but I'm inviting you into this process. I'm fasting, okay? And that's where the spiritual habit comes in. And you would find that in Scripture. And there's more examples, but those are the, kind of the big ones. And this is where God would work in. People would invite Him in. They would deprive themselves of something they habitually want or need. And that would cause them to pray or to seek God's Word or to be with God's people. There's several things that could happen there. Prayer's the main one. And I'm inviting God into that process. Now, here's the last big thing we need to know about fasting. It's this. Fasting is always to be done privately and with humility. It's always to be done privately and with humility. Jesus is the one that leans into this so strong. In Matthew chapter 6, verse 16 and following, he says this. He says, when you fast, do not look gloomy like the hypocrites, for they disfigure their faces that their fasting may be seen by others. Truly I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you fast, anoint your head, uh, wash your face, that your fasting may not be seen by others, but by your Father who is in secret, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you. So when we're fasting, this is the principle, it's not that you have to keep it a secret. That's not what Jesus was saying. What he was saying was, don't, don't show off spiritually. Don't go hang out with your friends and, you know, you want a soda? No, I'm fasting, I'm fasting. Yeah, I'm just, I'm beseeching the Lord. You know, if you, by the way, if you have to describe your relationship with God with words, you have to look up, use different words. But it's a, right, it, it's not a show-off thing. It's a private thing. It doesn't mean you can't tell anyone. So especially if you're married, you and your spouse might do this together. It'd be very appropriate for you guys to talk about it. You may tell a roommate or a buddy, like an accountability partner kind of a thing. That's all very, very cool. It's just not this big public thing. It's to be done privately and with humility, but it doesn't have to be done secretly. In fact, that's, last week I was having a, a breakfast with one of our pastors, and I was starving for some reason. I think I had worked out a couple days before, so I was still hungry. And so I was starving for some reason, and I ordered this big breakfast, and he's like, I'll have water. And I looked at him, and I was like, what, are you fasting? I was joking. He's like, yes, I am actually. I was like, oh, well, I'm starving. And so I ate this huge, I was like, I was like, I'm going to test your faith right now. But, right, so that's not, the, that's not what you want to do either. But it, it's, it's privately and in humility. It's really between you and God. It's you saying, God, I want to invite you in to this process. If you want to team up with a friend or two, that's fine. Je that's not what Jesus is forbidding here, okay? But it's really you wanting to dial down on your relationship with God, Okay? Now, the Scripture is, is unique with this idea of fasting because here's the thing. The Scripture actually does not command it. So if you decide not to fast, you're not sinning, right? There's, no, there's not a command there. What the Scripture does is, in essence, it says, if you want to tune out the noise of life and amplify God, this is a habit you could lock into, and it's what Christ did, it's what the disciples did, it's all through the, the book, right? And that's what I'm doing. I'm tuning out the noise of, of, of life, and I'm amplifying the voice of God in my life, and fasting 
when I'm missing that thing that I habitually reach for, it reminds me to reach for God. And I'm inviting Him into those processes in my life. So in a very practical way, fasting jumpstarts our spiritual focus. That's what happens. It jumpstarts our spiritual focus. It's not a way that we should live 24-7. It's when, it's, I'm intensifying things on person. It's like a, uh, on purpose. Uh, it's like a fighter cutting weight. It's like a, a runner that would carb load before or, or uh, hydrate before a long race. It's like a crossfitter that would recover or protein pack. Like I, I'm, I'm getting ready for a tournament or I'm getting ready for a competition. I'm fasting. I'm gearing up for something. So it's not something that we do like every day, all day, like we might pray or be in the scriptures. But it's a jumpstart, it's an amplifier, is the way that the Scripture would teach about it. And that's what it will do in your life, okay? So here, I'll make a bet with you. I bet you, I bet you if you fast, I bet you, I bet you sushi at a restaurant of my choice you can buy. I bet you that you will pray more than one minute a day. I bet you that you will spend more than four to five times a year in the Bible outside of church, right? I bet you, you will start to see people more in the way that Christ sees people because you will be consistently inviting Christ into your life. Every time you're hungry or every time you reach for the coffee or every time you, re- you grab your phone and then, ah, oh, I deleted my app, every, whatever it is you're fasting from, Every time that reminder hits, you go to the Lord, and it will amplify your walk with God, okay? All right, now, I want to dare you to do something. Ready? I'm going to double dog dare you. I want to dare you to join me in a 21-day fast. And I want to dare you to do that. I dare you to join me in a 21-day fast of something. Could be food, could be sex, could be something else, right? But I dare you to join me in a 21-day fast. The fast will start tomorrow. So we'll start on Monday, July, uh, January 4th, and we'll end on Sunday, January 24th. Okay, 21 days. And I dare you to join me on that, and let's kickstart our year Spiritually, we're doing this with all other kinds of stuff in our life, which is fine, by the way. Cut carbs and sugar and go to the gym and all that's fine. It's whatever, you know, it's, it's good. But let's take that kind of energy and let's double down spiritually. So I double dog dare you to find something in your life that you want or need that you habitually tune into and cut it out of your life on purpose. Now, let me say this. If you've never fasted long-term before, you probably shouldn't do food, right? It's something like you gotta gear up to a little bit, right? But find something in your life that you want or need. Maybe it's lunch, maybe it's coffee, social media, whatever. It could be ping pong, I don't know. But whatever you do, cut it out of your life for the purposes of growing spiritually, and we'll start it tomorrow and go for 21 days. And here's two things I would encourage you to do during that 21 days. Number one, I encourage you to make a prayer list. So what you'll do is this, is day one, you're going to really miss whatever you cut out of your life. Every time you go to reach for that thing that you miss, what you want to do is ask God 
It's just say, God, what do you want me to pray for? Uh, I'm going to get another cup of coffee. Oh, right. Cut coffee out of my... God, what do you want me to... Give me something now to pray for because it's day one. You haven't had your coffee yet. So what do I need to pray? And I want you throughout the day to write down those things. And then at night, set aside some time or in the morning, however your work schedule works. Set aside some time and pray through those lists and you'll be shocked the kind of things, the clarity of things that God brings to your mind and how much time you spend in prayer and then watch God affect those things. So keep a prayer list. The second thing I encourage you to do during that 21 days is to read the Bible every day. Read the Bible every day. So I encourage you to read a psalm in the Bible. Psalms is a book of the Bible. It's right in the middle of the Bible if you've never found it before. And we laid out some psalms. And the reason that we laid out the psalms was because the psalms often talk about the heart and the character of God. So I'm inviting God in. It's a great thing to get to know him what he's like and how he works in our lives, okay? And so you can take those psalms. I didn't give you the super short ones because let's not be slackers, but I didn't give you the super long ones either. And the, the last day, 20 and 21, we took Psalm 119, which is the longest psalm in the Bible, longest chapter of the Bible, and we cut it into two for you. So I'm gonna spend time in prayer every day on purpose. I'm gonna spend time in God's word on purpose. And fasting is going to remind me of that, okay? Now, as you go on this 21-day fast, if you have the courage, I mean, if you're chicken, you don't have to, but I'm just saying. But if you take this challenge and go on it with us, right, come back to church on the weekends, and we're, we're going to be teaching you the other key habits. So it's not just this one and forget it. We're going to lock in some of these others, okay? And guys, I'm telling you, if you will do this over the course of the next month or so, you will move spiritually, you will have a change spiritually, okay? And you will, you will start advancing forward with it, all right? Okay, so that's the deal. That's, that's habit number one, creatures of habit. I'm going to use my tendency for habit to break something because I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to deprive myself of something I habitually want or need, and I'm going to lock in a new habit. I'm going to start with a habit of fasting, and then we're going to grow in some of our other habits, Okay? And guys, I encourage you to do this. Listen, I always ask myself this question every December 31st. I always say to myself, I, I, like to, I like to kind of sit back and analyze my life a lot. And one of the things I say to myself is, <clears throat> um, Jeff, what do you wish you would have done a year ago? I always ask myself that question. What do you wish you would have done a year ago? Because I don't want another year to go by with me not making any forward progress. And let me ask you this. How, how many times have you sat there and looked up here and said in your head, you know, I really need to know the Bible better. I, re I really need to, we need to change the tone spiritually in our home. You know, I, mean, I, need, I should start praying with my spouse. You know, I, oh man, I've got to break this. How many times have you said that? What do you wish you would have done a year ago? If you would have locked into that this time last year and been free of it, see. And I'm saying you can do that. God actually wired us. He gave us a wonderful friend called a habit that when... That friend is outside of God's control. It's a terrible enemy. But when it's 
brought under God's control. It helps us to do what God wants to do. So what if we just jumped in and did it, right? And fasting is a great way to kickstart that. And let's sink ourselves up and let's move. Let's move spiritually and invite God into that change in our lives, all right? Okay. I'm going to pray as I pray. The band's going to come out. And as I pray and after I pray, I encourage you just to sit and to think. and Spend a little time with God. Sit. You pray. You think. Ask God, God, what would you have me deprive myself of for the purposes of growing spiritually? Ask God to bring it to your mind. The thing you reach for the most habitually may be the thing, right? So you spend time with God. You download it. You decide if you want to jump on the dare or not. It's up to you. And... Uh, We'll move forward together, okay? Let me pray. Jesus, we love you. We thank you for who you are and what you've done for us. Jesus, thank you for your example in this spiritual habit. You did it. You went without food, and you went off, and you prayed regularly, and you showed us that, it, it, Lord, if you need this for your spiritual health, and certainly we do. So God, help us to process that as well, to, to be intentional about our interaction with you and intentional about inviting you into our lives. So God, I pray that even right now, as we sort this through in our hearts and our minds, God, that you would bring to our minds the things that we could surrender to you, the ways that we could give ourselves over to you. And God, even today, start to draw us closer to you. We love you, Jesus. Lead us in that process right now. In your name we pray.